says, I can do all things through Christ. Amen. So there's not one thing that should be able to bind me and hold me down. We heard a testimony on Sunday about what God is doing in our sister's life, being able to quit bad habits. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so he is able to keep us. He is able to deliver, to set free, and to make whole. So when we come in here, we're not just talking about, we're not just leaving here with a positive message. Amen? But we leave here renewed and ready to continue to overcome in every aspect in our life. You know, I was just thinking the other day, when the enemy comes in, do you know what the Bible says? He says, when he presents himself to you, The Bible says, resist the devil. That's just as simple as saying no. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I'm just letting you know, no, this ain't going to happen. Simple. You resist the devil, and he's going to do what? Flee from you. No child of God should be on the run from the enemy. If the enemy is chasing you and you've been running away from him, now is the time to turn around and stand your ground. Because the Bible does say stand and he's given you the armor to wear and he's given you a means of defense and your weapon is the sword of the spirit. And when you speak the word of God with the authority that he's given you through the power of the Holy Ghost, the enemy has nothing else to do, no other way to respond than to run away from you. Because of who is working on the inside. Amen. I'm so glad to know God for myself. I'm so glad to have the experience that I have as a child of God. Amen. Are you excited about God? You excited about knowing God? Come on now. I know it's Wednesday night. I know it's hump day as they call it, but, you know, we we should be on the top anyway. Amen? Praise God. I'm excited about living for God. I found nothing better in this world. Everything else that I've experienced in this world time and time again has let me down, has left me feeling down, depressed, destitute, empty, void. But when I experience the presence of God, ah, (laughs) joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. So that is not our lesson tonight, but we (laughs) just wanted to express that tonight. Amen. Brother Wayne, you look like you had something you was trying to share. We're going to make it brief, though. Amen. Experiencing God. You can't experience God without submitting to him, right? Amen. Amen. So we want to make sure that we are, you know, that's what an experience is all about. Amen. Look through the scriptures. The scriptures talk about humility, talks about submission, talks about obedience all throughout the scriptures. Right? So you can't experience the word without submitting. Amen.
So we definitely have to make sure that we are submitting and making sure that we are experiencing the presence of God. It's not just enough to know it. That's the point. It's not just enough to know it. You got folks that know the scriptures back and forth, but that's not impressive to God. God wants to know what you're going to do to experience it. And if you walk in in defeat, then you're not experiencing the word of God. You're not experiencing the power of God. Amen. But when you have the word and you live the word, it will manifest itself in your life. And that's a powerful thing. Amen. Tonight we are talking about, thank you for that input, talking about overcoming laziness. Amen. And in fact, I believe this has been the theme for this month. So I apologize in advance if I repeat something that was already said in the previous weeks. Amen. But if I do, then that, there must be a reason for it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So if you're listening and you hear it again and you say, man, that, that might have been for you to hear again. Amen. Did anybody, did everybody get the handout? All right. So we'll make sure everybody gets one tonight. We don't want anybody to fall behind. I will give you the disclaimer now. If you know anything about me, I tend to, uh, let's just say I tend to append to the notes. <laughs> so you may not see everything that I say verbatim. <laughs> but whatever I miss, the good thing is we've got more of the month left and the pastor will be back and he'll be able to cover whatever I missed. All right. And you can. All right, Brother Jesse. You said you would like one? All right. Okay, everyone has one? Did I miss anyone? All right. I'm going to let y'all share back there, okay? Why don't you share with Jalen for me? So let's go ahead and start with Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. This is a very good lesson. Unfortunately, we are living in a society where people are becoming more and more lazy, especially some of the men. Now, this ain't men's meeting, but it's kind of a sad day when you see more men just not willing to work, not willing to do anything, not willing to stand up and be a man and do the things they're supposed to do. Neglecting responsibilities. But our society as a whole is just becoming more lazy. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about, you know, fast food restaurants and everything in a hurry and in a rush and so on and so forth. It's just like, you know, nobody wants to wait. Nobody. You've got some folks that are so lazy, they don't, you can offer them the food and they're too lazy to eat it. Offer you a free car and you're too lazy to put gas in it. Offer you a free home and you're too lazy to move your own stuff in there. (laughs) But this is the society that we are living in, unfortunately. Want everything done for them. And it's a problem because if you have everybody looking for somebody else to do something for them, then soon the question becomes, who's going to do it? All right. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Everybody there? 
All right, let's begin reading that. Ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That word slothful is synonymous with the word laziness. Now, slothful derives from the Latin word asetia, which means without care. Laziness is defined as not liking to work hard or to be active. There's one of those appendices right there that I just added. Among the other definitions that you have in your notes. Defined as not liking to work hard or to be active. One of the problems with lazy people is their neglectful behavior towards important matters. Some people confess to procrastination. Oh, I just like to procrastinate. You know, I just said, I can't help it. That's, did you know that procrastination is just an excuse to cover up the reality of the situation, which is really to say that I did not do that because it was not really important to me. It wasn't important, important enough. That's the reality of procrastination. Put it off because it's not really important to me. Can you ever think of a moment when someone has asked you to do something and you dragged your feet doing it, you put it off because at the time it just wasn't a priority to you. It wasn't important enough. I can think of moments in my life. But I cannot hide behind the excuse because the reality is it's not important enough. This is what I believe. You know, if you're a person that just, you know you procrastinate, you know that something is not important enough to you, this is what I say. Don't commit to it. I would much rather an individual not commit to something when they know for a fact that it's not important enough to them because what's going to happen is somebody's going to have to pick up the slack. So let's just be honest up front. Can you imagine, if, you know, how it would be if more people were just upfront and honest? Yeah, I don't want to do that because I just, it's not important to me. Hey, hey, at least I know where you stand. Amen? Procrastination is another way of saying it is not important enough for me to make the effort. Now, there's a fundamental difference as we're talking about laziness. There's a fundamental difference between rest, recuperation, and laziness. Please understand that it is, there are times when we need to rest. Fundamental. What do we see in, in, in uh, the end of Genesis chapter 1? What happened? The last verse tells us what? Anybody know Genesis chapter 1? <laughs> Thank you. God rested, right? <laughs> I didn't mean that, you know, God was just so exhausted that he, you know, he just needed to go to sleep because he, no, it just means that that was the point where he stopped creating and making the things that he made. And he sanctified that day and made it a day of rest. 
God rested. Right? And he was adamant about his people resting. You can work for six days, but on the Sabbath day, you better not touch any bit of work. Oh, some people found out the hard way. But God was serious. God was adamant about making sure his people understood the significance of rest. There are things that I'm going to require of you. But in that, you also need to make sure that you're taking rest. You know, the Bible says that our bodies are the temple, the temples of God, right? right. So, sometimes we neglect rest because we get busy. Busy, 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 busy. I have a firm belief. This is just my personal belief. Sometimes it's possible to be busy doing nothing. It's possible. And then it's possible to be a busy body. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. But what are you accomplishing? Is what you're doing really productive? Or are you just trying to find stuff to do to fill your time and your schedule and so on and so forth? So now it's possible to be so busy and you wonder why people get so worn out so quickly. Because you're just busy. But what are you really doing? And why aren't you getting the rest that you're supposed to get? Why are you having sleepless nights? Why are you so stressed? Are you getting the rest? Sometimes, you know, Jesus, if you look at Jesus, is it all right if I take my time with this? I'm, you know, I assure you that when it gets close to eight, I'm going to be trying to wrap it up. But, but if you look at Jesus' ministry, there were times where Jesus separated himself from the multitude and even from his disciples. And that was a form of rest. Jesus himself had times where he had to refresh himself to continue to be effective in doing what he was called to do. Sometimes you got to separate yourself from the masses to get your rest. You know, the world, they say, hey, man, you know, I'm going, I'm going to relax, man, this weekend. We're going to party. They're looking for the masses, but sometimes you got to... We come together, we fellowship in the house of God, and it should be, a, you know, that's a restful time too. But sometimes you got to take that time with just you and Jesus. No other distractions. Some people can be distractions and not mean to. It's all right? Amen. But it's important to rest. It's important to get that rest. Just as it is important to work. So there is a time when work must be performed. Matthew uh, chapter 9 verse 37. You can turn there if you want to. But I'm just quoting part of the scripture here. Jesus stated. When he's talking to his disciples. He stated in here. He says the harvest is plenteous. 
but the laborers or the workers are few. In other words, we don't have very many workers to work the fields and gather the harvest. And in this sense, what he is talking about is reaching the people in the world. There is a ministry that needs to be, there's a work that needs to be done, ministry that needs to be performed, and I'm looking, here's the beautiful thing I love about God. It's not that he needs us. God does it. If, he, if it took his power to create us and bring us into existence, God was already there before we came about. It was never a question of whether or not God needed us. But God is choosing to use us. I think that's fascinating. That a God with ultimate power would say, hey, I'm not going to do it all. I could. But I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to help you build your faith by allowing you to go out and do some things for me. I want you to get a piece of this. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That God would afford us that opportunity. What a privilege to live for God and to be able to do a work for God. See, if we looked at it like that, maybe we wouldn't be so burdened down when it came to God tasking us with things. What a privilege to do something for God. And when you think of it that way, you know, when you ask to do something in the house of God, you know, sometimes somebody come and ask you to help out with something. You're like, hey, I was ready to go, man. I ain't trying to help out with that. <laughs> I'm about to take a nap. But what a privilege, right? To be able to do something for God. But there's a great work that needs to be done, and still yet, there are few who are willing to actually work. One of the reasons we don't have enough workers is because some people are just being lazy. And the truth is, laziness is not a disease or a disorder. (laughs) God help us. Folks will find any way to get a diagnosis and get something legitimate to cover up the fact that they just lazy. lazy. Lazy behavior is a direct result of a person's state of mind. Please get this. It is a direct result of a person's state of mind. Proverbs 23 and 7. Can somebody tell me what that says? Proverbs 23 and 7. Amen. (laughs) Proverbs 23 and 7. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, if David can think himself happy, surely a lazy person can think himself lazy. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You ever see a loser? They're a loser because they think they're a loser. Right? What about failures? I'm a failure, but why am I a failure? 
You know, truly a, fa- a failure is a person who never makes an attempt. Because if you're trying, you're not a failure. Amen. If that's your aim, nothing is your aim, then that will be your destination. If you can't be an overcomer, that's right. But you got to listen to the truth. If you want to be an overcomer, because here, here's this, here's the issue. Here lies the issue. Now you have folks, since you brought that up, brother, we'll touch on that. You have folks that are in the world who have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God knows those folks. So he has compassion on them. But now here is another side to this. You got a lot of folks that are in the world who have heard, but have chosen not to make the decision to do right. You have no excuse in the presence of God. There is a difference. You know, when you got folks, let's make it practical for a second. If you got folks that, you know, <clears throat> grew up and maybe didn't learn that stealing was wrong, but at some point they've had to face because their behavior has obviously put them in a position where now they are facing the truth. So now I've come in contact with the truth that lets me know that there is a rule, a moral rule, that says stealing is wrong. At that very moment, I no longer have the excuse to say I did not have knowledge of. When I stand before the judge, the judge will ask me, did you or were you aware of what you were doing? Yes, I was aware, and yes, I was informed that this behavior was wrong. Well, you're going to get locked up. Because you knew better, and you chose to do what you wanted to do. So there has to be a distinction made because this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with folks in the world who say, I can't be a Christian. Why can't you? Before it was a matter of you not knowing. But now that you know, maybe it's just a matter of you're too lazy to make the right decision to live for God. Because it starts with the state of mind. Is this all right? I'm not being ugly, but this is the truth. This is what the world needs to know. This is what the church needs to know. We can't expect to be a productive body of Christ if the truth is not being given in the first place. I can't patronize you and make you feel good when you're in the wrong. Somewhere along the line, you've got to come in contact with the truth. So you know the truth. And if you know the truth, the Bible says you shall do what? It shall make you free. Amen? The truth is not always comfortable, but it's liberating because now it sheds light on the situation so I can see clearer than I saw before. That's the awesome thing about truth. Amen? So it's a matter, I mean, we've we've got to know in your state of mind, if you think Lazy thoughts. If you convince yourself that this is not really important or significant enough, it's not worth my effort, then you won't make the effort to accomplish 
what needs to be accomplished. I want to make money, but I'm not willing to make the effort to go to work. I'm too lazy. Now, in some cases, it's puzzling to me because in some cases, it seems like it takes more work to be lazy than not be lazy. I'm ready to eat, but I don't want to work. But I got to find some food. So how do I find food when I'm too lazy to work, but I want to eat? Well, I guess I got to go rob somebody so that I can. But now I got to avoid the cops and avoid the law because I just robbed somebody just so I can eat because I was hungry, but I didn't want to go to work. That's too much. I'm running from the cops. I'm avoiding people. Got to wait till the nighttime. I can't sleep at night because I'm too busy trying to creep in houses and steal somebody's money. That's too much. Nightfall come. I like locking my doors and laying my head on my pillow. Get up when it's time to get up so I can go on the next day. Yeah, I got to work. Just a little bit. But thank God I ain't got to worry about when the cops rolling up and down the street. Oh, let's hide this stuff and make sure we we don't want nobody to just just act normal. (laughs) It's just too much. It takes more work in some aspects to be lazy than just do what you're supposed to do. Y'all all right? Listen, Romans 12 and 2. I love this scripture. This is one of my favorite scriptures. If you look at a lot of the stuff that we teach and we preach about, you nine times out of ten you'll be able to trace it back to the way you think. When you're talking about people overcoming things, now it takes the power of the Holy Ghost. So don't. So let me put that out there. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. To overcome demonic spirits and demonic influence and so on and so forth. We was talking about that, me and Sister Demuth, earlier. It takes the power of the Holy Ghost. But I want you to understand something. Even the Spirit of God cannot help you if you haven't determined in your mind to overcome. God will not force you to do something that you don't want to do. Now think of how powerful this is. There are two different wills. Paul even talks about it, and that's something that actually is in one of our discipleship lessons. But you've got a will of your own that God has allowed you. You've got the right to choose, right? When you make up in your mind to do something, that represents a will. Because if you think it, if you're convinced in your mind this is what I'm going to do, then eventually I will do What I've thought to do. But God has a will. God has a, what does he say? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts to do good, right? That is his will for your life. But even in his will for your life, you can deviate and do your own will. Now, I'm not telling you that the consequences of doing your own will is going to be good. I think we mentioned it Sunday just a little bit. Sometimes we've got to have a will alignment. Make sure our will aligns with God's will. Amen. Not my will. God, I want your will to be done. You know, it wasn't our will to come on assignment to Fort Polk, Louisiana, and have to leave here 
And we made several attempts to try to change the, the situation. And each time it got denied. And God had to deal with my heart and just say, hey, you know what? <clears throat> is it going to be your will or is it going to be my will? God, your ways are higher than my ways. At the end of the day, you know, this is what I've always, I've always said. Wherever God wants me to be, that's where I want to be. I'm not so hung up on people or on things in this world that it comes between me and what God wants me to do. At the end of the day, it's about what God wants, not what I want. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I don't even know how I got on that, but... Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is one of the most simplest ways, because let's face it, brothers and sisters, before you can live for God, you've got to make up in your mind to live for God. Right? So it still starts with a made-up mind. If you start with a made-up mind to say, I'm going to live for God, then as you live for God, you need to continue to keep a made-up mind. So we have to change our way of thinking. But the thing that transforms our way of thinking is God. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That means not only are you new on the outside, right? Not only do you have a new appearance, but everything on the inside should be new too. Which includes the way we think. Changing our thinking. Then the next thing that we need to have, and you see it on here, like I said, there's some things that I'll probably be touching on. But the next thing on there is having a vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Think of it simply. If you are in an environment that you are unfamiliar with and there is an absence of light, you can't see you don't know if you're coming up on a cliff or not. Your chances of falling off that cliff is going to be great. Why? Because you can't see. You know, every vision has an end state. And as children of God, as Christians, understand that every vision that God gives you the end state is in him. The Bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything in between. He is all in all. God gives you a vision. It still points right back to him. Everything that you are to accomplish in this world, it's still glorifying him. But you got to have a vision. You got to be able to see you got to know for yourself. Some folks will jump right into some things. Let me say this as a disclaimer. You know, people 
I've heard people say, you know, talk about blind faith and so on and so forth. Let me tell you something. The Bible never said that faith was blind. There's no such thing as blind faith. Just because it's the evidence of things not seen doesn't mean you can't see. Amen? That's why he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so we could see. But we see through him. That's why we put our faith in him, Jesus Christ. It's not blind faith. You know, every time you look in there and you find somebody, the Bible talks about people to exercise faith. You better believe God has given them a promise beforehand. Can I tell you something? God will never require you to do something without giving you some instruction first. If he's calling you, you're talking about jumping out, you know, well, you know, sometimes you just got to step out and then hope that God. No, that's not how it works. You don't step out before God. You better listen for his voice first and for direction from him. And once you have heard, then you go ahead and you follow and you trust that what he said he will do. Look at Abraham. He called him out from Ur. He told him, I'm going to give you a land. He told him, I want you to leave from here. But he gave him some instruction. He gave him a vision. He gave him a promise. Moses, the same way. Look at all the prophets. They all received some kind of word, some kind of instruction from God. And it was up to them to exercise faith and trust in God that he was going to bring that to pass. Faith is not blind. But if you move without direction, you move without a word from God, you can find yourself making excuses and questioning where you are. Eventually you find yourself frustrated because you're trying to figure out, well, am I where God wants me to be? Oh, I really don't know. And that's, oh, that's a playground for the enemy. Because he starts playing where? Right in the mind. He starts playing thoughts of doubt. Well, maybe this wasn't the call of God. Maybe this just... Well, did you hear from him? Or did you just do this on your own? That's why I tell, somebody, you know, I tell my children, I say, you, as you grow older, you may take it for granted, but you should be praying and asking God what college God wants you to go to. That's what you should be doing. But how many young people are doing that? So you jump out and you jump into something, you don't even know if that's the will of God for you. Then when you start facing all kinds of crazy mess, then you're sitting there questioning doubt. Well, I don't, oh, maybe I need to change, maybe I need to go here. Did you get direction from God? Having a vision is important. Why is having a vision important? Because that's going to be your motivating factor to work towards the end state. Lazy people are unproductive. Lazy people don't have a vision. But if you're going to work and you're going to do something for God, then you have to have a vision and you got to keep that vision at the forefront because that's part of exercising faith. Knowing that I'm seeing the end result in God, even though it has not manifested yet, I'm seeing it already done in God. 
And that's my motivating factor to keep me going, that what God said he will do, he will accomplish. You may not see it. It may not be physically manifested yet, but after a while, in his timing, he's going to bring it to pass if I continue to stay faithful to him. Y'all with me? Next, next thought, or next bullet, whatever. Prioritization. You ever have a task that you get and you feel like, oh, man, this is just too much. I watch my children sometimes when they, you know, they have to, they all have areas. And so when they, sometimes when they get the kitchen, you know, mama get the cooking and she, she throw down and she make all this great stuff. And then, and then after a while, you know, everybody in the eating just enjoyed themselves. The individual that has the kitchen see all them pots and pans and <laughs> all them plates piling up and like, ah, oh, <laughs> this is too much. Sometimes in life, you know, you look at stuff that you have going on, things that you, you know, some of us, we have jobs and, you know, we've got other things that we do. And you're talking about keeping responsibilities, church responsibilities and work responsibilities. Got things at home that, that need to be done. And just, just man, it just seems like things need to be done. Oh, there's just too much. Overwhelming. Moses felt that way, I'm sure, as he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he had to sit there and he had to counsel with all these people. I mean, we, you know, sometimes we complain that we got to deal with, you know, five, ten people, a couple people in a day's time. But Moses, I mean, can you imagine what his day was like? Oh, another problem. You imagine, I mean, <laughs> I can imagine Moses probably wanted to knock some people outside the head. Just like, man, look, just that's just petty. Look, if y'all got petty issues, don't bring them to me. All them people, all throughout the day, my goodness. I don't even know what issues they had. Oh, my goodness. He was poking fun at me. He was talking about my mule. or He was talking. I mean, I don't know what kind of issues they had back then, but obviously they had some because they were bringing them before Moses. So Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes along, and he watches what Moses is doing, and he Wise counsel. He says, hey, man, look, I see what you're doing here, but you're going to wear yourself out. Here's a better way to handle that. Why don't you take what you know and then get a couple, get about 10, you know, get from or from each tribe, get 12, you know, and, and make sure that they know, get the elders, make sure they know. And then they can, you can rely on them. You got captains of thousands and hundreds and, and 10, you know, and you, so you got all these people that's disseminated as a hierarchy. Anybody been in the military? We know how that works, right? Right? That's pretty much what he was telling them to do. Establish a chain of command. And all the severe issues, that's what you're going to deal with. But all the other stuff, handle it. Y'all remember that? Handle at the lowest level possible. (laughs) Right? Being able to prioritize, being able to take your situation. I could tell she was overwhelmed, and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do, baby girl. 
Here's what you got to do. First thing you want to focus on is creating some space here. And then once you get this, then you'll have space to work with here. So you can take this over here. And after a while, you'll find your stuff getting down. I've, I've had to clean rooms where it was just a ton of stuff. And it's just like, oh, just, okay, how do I organize? I just look around. It's just stuff all over the place. Where do I start? Where do I begin? I, I'd had that experience actually in my office uh, just the other day or just, just the other week. I was sitting in there, and I was like, I know I gotta straighten this office up, but my goodness, I ain't got no space. Everything's all over the place. I don't know where to begin. But there was something that spoke in my mind. It says, okay, let's just take it one corner at a time. So I started clearing out one corner, got that straight, and then started stacking things neatly in there. After a while, I started seeing the space just everything became organized. It came together. So it was in a whole lot better shape than what it was. It took work, but I had to start thinking differently. You'll see how this is a common thing. This, the way you're thinking, it, it really is a powerful thing. Matter of fact, you remember the Tower of Babel? The Tower of Babel. That story. Notice what God said. He says, I've got to go down and confound their language because they are determined to build this tower. And in their minds, they are convinced that they, are, they have no boundaries. Why? Because I believe some people don't have broke their neck trying to build that tower if God would let them. They had no idea about the gra- law of gravity. They had no idea about the, the layers that you got to go through when you start building. They had no idea about space that was up there at that time. They knew there were stars and everything, but they didn't really realize you're trying to get to heaven. <laughs> you're going to kill yourself trying to do that, right? So some people say, oh, well, God, see, God, he started confusing. No, they started confusing, and God had to come down and help rescue them. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it so they can't communicate with each other. See, I call it a miracle. Because if he wouldn't have intervened, we'd have had a lot of casualties that day. But it starts with the mind. You're talking about looking at a task that you got to do. Sometimes there are some great tasks that God gives you. But if God gives you a task, can you be reassured and know that God will never give you anything that he doesn't know that you can accomplish in the first place? So if he gives it to you, then that's when you when you start feeling like overwhelmed, you feel like this is just too much. God, no, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I can do all things through Christ. Oh, you ain't going to get me that easy. You almost got me. I almost gave up. But not so. I still got strength. When I'm weak, he makes me strong. Education. Education. And in this aspect, I'm talking about learning from other people's experiences, other people's example. And you can't take everybody's example. But you got to learn from some folks. You know, when I <clears throat> I watched my grandfather and the stories that I heard, and I watched him even in his 70s, 80s, 
still getting up and going to the field in the morning like he would always do. He's feeding his hogs and his chickens. And, you know, when it gets light out, he's he's hoeing the yard. He's doing all the stuff in the garden, still planting stuff and making sure everything's good to go as much as possible. Trying to fix his lawnmower so he can go and cut the grass. And he's out there, I mean, just as, just as old as he was, and he's still... My dad, you know, when I was growing up, I watched him and he would, I mean, he didn't have a high school education, but he didn't use that as a crutch. The man would go out there and he'd work in a job. He was a mechanic at first and then he got laid off of that, so he started working other jobs, sometimes two, three jobs. Family of seven. But he set an example. When I met my wife, one of the things I told her, I said, you know what? I said, I'm just letting you know this. I said, if you want to work a job, you can. I said, but I'm going to promise this to you. I will work three jobs before you have to work one. That was my promise to my wife. To this day, 17 years, and she has not had to work a job. I've worked two jobs a couple of times in my career, but the point was, this was the example that was before me. I was willing to go to whatever means to take care of my family because I watched the examples that were set before me. And thank God for that. I remember being a teenager, you know, and I was like, man, I just need to get some money. You know, I had left home and I didn't really have nothing. But I said, you know what, before I go out and deal drugs and rob people and everything else, I'm going to do something to work to get to earn this. My first job that I had, it was, I wasn't even on the payroll. I was working for a gentleman who was doing roofing, and I was helping him carry shingles up and down on the roof and you know, all the stuff that he was doing for roofing. I wasn't on the payroll, but I was still earning my money. He paid me from his paycheck. Now, that's not, I'm not encouraging people to do that. I mean, unless you, <laughs> I was a minor, so I shouldn't have been up there. But I was determined I'm going to work for this. The first legitimate job I had, I was working for a glass company. We was doing shelving, and we would go out to sites and stuff, and I was having fun. I was working, but I was getting paid. I was like, man, I'm earning this. That was the mindset that I had. I'm going to work. If I'm going to get paid, I'm going to work for this. I don't have time to be running from cops and running from people and everything else. No, 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 no. That's not the lifestyle I want to live. When I lay my head down at night, I want to know I've done what I could. I've done what I was supposed to do. I didn't even have a family at that point in time. But, you know, it's, again, it was just a mindset that I have. I learned from the examples that I had. Thank God I had those examples. And, yes, not everybody has those examples. So, you know, those are the ones that we pray for. Those are the ones that we try to reach out and help. But at the end of the day, somebody, God sends someone along to help us on the right track, you know, get on the right track and point us in the right direction. And when that happens, we need to learn from that. So that we can continue to be better. You know, one of, the, one of the things I hear from parents, you know, in our generation today, when they were kids, things that happened that maybe shouldn't have happened or whatever the case may be. Well, I'm not going to do this when I become a parent. But we don't toss everything out the window just because some bad things happened. The other thing I hear people, well, I, you know, I made that excuse. So, I mean, I made that mistake. So I can't tell them not to, <laughs> the devil is a liar. 
if I made that mistake and I recognize it was a mistake or it was wrong, I was, a, I was in error, all the more reason why I need to warn my children, don't go that route. I can't use that as a crutch. Yes, I messed up when I was younger. I messed up in my life. But I'm trying to help you so you don't fall in the same trap. Learning, right? Again, if you look at it, the common thread to overcoming laziness. You know, you'd be surprised, but all these things that we talked about tie in when you, when you talk to a person that's lazy. These are things that they will throw out. These are excuses that they will throw out. Well, nobody ever told me, or I didn't know, or, you know, I just didn't, I didn't feel like it, or I just, there was something else that I wanted to do, or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, you are lazy because that's the way you think. And so it takes changing the way you think so that you don't be the same way. And as Christians, as children of God, God is calling us to work. There is a great work that needs to be done, as I, as I mentioned before. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. He's looking for those who's willing to teach home Bible studies. Nobody's asking you to be a, a, a qualified theologian. That, you know, you've got your degree to spread the gospel. Right. You don't. If God has filled you with as you experience this, be different. How, how do I know that? Let me tell you about what God did for me. I was a drunk. I was an alcoholic. All I did was spend time in bars. But it was the power of God that delivered me from that thing. And now I can walk without drinking alcohol. I don't even have an urge to drink no more. Because he took it from me. Used to smoke cigarettes like a chimney, just back to back. I couldn't even put it down. Every time I would toss them out, I'd find myself going and buying some more because I needed that fix. But thank God he came and he removed those things out of my life. That's what God can do for you. Strung out on drugs, sexual immorality, whatever the situation is, when you look at it, those folks need to hear the testimony that, yes, the power of God is real. It doesn't matter what situation that you're in. It doesn't matter your rap sheet. At the end of the day, the power of God can come and change your life. Make you different. We got too many testimonies in the house of God about what God has done for you. Not to go. Comfortable. We're comfortable with just, you know, coming to church and singing some songs. We get to feel good and a really good message and we go. But people need to know. Is he Christians? By any means. But at the end of the day, how can the world be reached if there are, there's nobody willing to go and reach them? God is calling us. He wants to use us. And let me say this, since I'm down to about almost five minutes out, I told you I would watch the time. 
in the house of God. I want to say this. I know the pastor and the pastor's wife is not here, and I'm not just speaking on behalf of Calvary Apostolic Church. But even in my time of being able to pastor and lead folks, I will tell you, there is no greater burden than when you're trying to pull the load that somebody else should be helping pull. Are you hearing me? People of God, we cannot afford to put the man of God in the same position and place that Moses was in having to carry everything. And while I'm talking about the pastor, the pastor's wife, it's got to be disseminated. And you can't rely on the ones and the two. Listen, while we were here, and we're, and this is not a sales pitch, so don't think. But it's about as the body of Christ down and do nothing. And what are things that need to be done in the house of God? I'm saying this with as much love as I can because I, as a, as a, like I said, being in that position and pastoring, I've, I've watched some souls that come in and they just didn't, they wanted to be fed, they wanted everything to be done for them, but they didn't want to do anything. And then I watched some folks come in and they were just eager to do we had in Korea, and we, it was just such a blessing to watch. We had folks that were there for years and wouldn't contribute, wouldn't do nothing. I had folks that should have been doing more than what they were doing. And I couldn't even ask them to give church announcements. But then God sent a group of people in. I will never forget the Filipino group that came in. And I'll tell you what. Service and before the service started, we, all, we, we always had to remove the Catholic way, the communion table and everything else so we could set up for the service. And that thing, they're watching us. Singing, I had to preach that day. It pretty much was, it was us. Couldn't hardly get folks to take up the offering. And this happened for a while. And I wondered to myself, every time we would go in that place, Lord, what is the point of people coming to the house of God if they're not going to be engaged? But when them folks came in, the Filipinos came in, we didn't even have to ask nobody. They just came up and started, hey, can we help? Pastor, can we help? What can we do? And some of them started watching and they just started. One time we came in and the stuff was already set up. We didn't even have to set it up. It's a blessing. You know, I mentioned this before, but we, you know, we all have things that we have going on. That's understandable. But at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, there should be no reason well, we're not contributing and doing what we can. You know, some of us, we have limitations. I got it. There's just but so much that you can do. That's understandable. That's legitimate. But when you know you can do more and you're not doing it, can I ask you something? What do you think God thinks of that? You busy praying for blessings and praying for healing and praying for all these other things that you want God to do. And God is saying, in the meantime, what you're doing for me? What are you doing for me?
So brothers and sisters, like I said, I'm saying this in love. I, I do. This is a very, and I take this to heart. When I think of, you know, what else can I do? You know, I remember in Georgia, and it was just like, man, you know, I was sitting there, and I was like, Lord. I just remember him speaking to me one time. It was just like, you know what? I want you to go ahead and just start cleaning the church. And eventually, I, I just felt like God asked me to just take it over. I didn't even know who was in charge of it. And that was a big, it was a, it was a pretty big sanctuary, a big, well, a big church period, build, uh, building. And so being obedient, I said, okay. And I went and talked to the pastor and said, pastor, I just feel like God is telling me to go ahead and just take over cleaning the church. Now we lived closer to the church then, so it wasn't a big deal as far as distance goes. But little did I know, I found out later afterwards when I asked that, and he told me, he says, well, yeah, go ahead and talk to Sister Roe because she's the one that, you know, she's in charge of it, she does it. And I went and talked to her, and she broke out in tears. She said, you know what? She said, with all the other stuff, I'm the church secretary, and I got all this other stuff going on. She said, I was just praying and asking guys, I, I, I don't know how much more I can take. I'm just feeling overwhelmed, God. I just need something. And I did not know until after I had asked to take that over. She said, you are blessed. You, you were sent from God. God obviously answered the prayer that I was praying. I had no clue. I just was going by what God was leading me to do. And I didn't mind. I didn't want nobody to know. I wasn't trying to get notarized or anything like that. In fact, I asked the pastor, please don't announce who's doing this. I'll come at night just to make sure nobody else is there because I just enjoy doing this. It didn't bother me. I'd be in there singing sometimes. Sometimes I'd be concerned if I'm in there too late and maybe some, you know, people lurking around to start trouble. But <laughs> I'd be in there enjoying myself cleaning up in that big old building. But the greatest thing is because I understood I was only doing what God asked me. I was being engaged, and as a result, I was a blessing to somebody else. And that's how we need to be as people of God. Amen? It's 8 o'clock. It's actually a little bit after 8, so I apologize for taking two minutes of your time over 8 o'clock. Amen. But but prayerfully, hopefully, you've gotten some out of this lesson. Like I said, all the things that I might have missed, I know the pastor will come back and teach some more dynamic lessons on this on this subject here. But let's overcome this. Amen? God is looking for laborers. Let's be those workers. Amen? Father, we thank you so much.